who I hate? I know that's a strong word. Okay, let me say it another way. Do you know who I have a hard time not hating? Uh, that's the same thing, right? Okay. Um, I hate people who mistreat my kids. I remember um, when Matthias, especially the first one, I think it's tougher because it's your first kid. I know all the parents are like, okay, you kind of get this. I remember the first time he went to Tiny Tots and I think, I don't know, a few weeks into it and he came home and it had a bite mark on his arm. I was like, what? Some kid bit my, you know, <laughs> bit my son. And so, you know, I, I was just upset about it. And so every time I go to pick up, pick up uh, my son from the, the Tiny Tots place, I look at it and it's like, which one? Which one of you did this? And, I think, and you know, and Carol's like, you know, they're only like five, right? And I'm like, yeah, five-year-old son, evil spawn of Satan right there. And, you know, yeah, that kid looks evil. That, one, that must be that kid, you know? Um, so it's, it's, and I'm, and it's fortunate, we're fortunate that we don't have any gigantic catastrophe with our kids and people have done things. It's just mainly just between kids. Bullies at kids, oh yeah, that one right there, he looks evil. He's going to be a bad kid. He's going to be in gangs, probably end up in prison one day. And so I just can't, you know, can't take it when kids, um, hurt, other people hurt my kids. And you know what else I hate? It's when my kids fight. Uh, Carol can tell you this, is I, that's when I lose it at home, is to see my two kids fighting. And it's normal. I mean, they're boys. They fight all the time. Someone's crying. Someone's bleeding. Somebody's eyes got poked and whatever. It doesn't matter. But it, somehow it drives me crazy when they're fighting against each other, when they're quarreling, they're fighting, they're just bickering over things. It just upsets me so much when they fight each other. The other thing that I really hate, and I'm so glad I'm not there yet, I hope I'll never have to face it, is I would hate for my kids to hurt themselves. I hear of kids who cut themselves. I hear of kids doing drugs, smoking. You know, Carol and I w went for a walk around the park, and I see these young teenagers. I don't know what they're brewing on the, the grill at the park. I was like, so I'm going to call the cops because these kids need to be stopped, right? They've got the little smoke going. They're all huddled around the little, you know, this is like 11 at night at a park. Why would they be doing this, right? And you smell, and you know it's not cigarette. I don't know what kind of smoke's coming across. It, it smells funny, right? So, and so these, I'm like, oh, wow. If I were the parent of these kids, it would break my heart to know that my kids are killing themselves with these drugs or the alcohol, whatever they get into, especially if my kids are like doing things like cutting themselves. So those are the three things that I hate. <laughs> People who mistreat my kids, my, my kids mistreating each other, and my kids mistreating themselves. You know, I can't help it but to realize that the Bible talks about God feeling the same way about us. Our Heavenly Father feels the same way about us. Like when people mistreat us, that's you know, anybody in the world, we're in the world with people who don't know God and they don't give a care about God and they mistreat us at work. They mistreat us while we're in traffic. They mistreat us everywhere we go. We're surrounded by people who don't know God. And I can't help it to know, but to think that God would be really upset to see people mistreating us. And sometimes we don't realize we think, oh, God doesn't really care. But I think God really gets upset over that. And you know what? I think God gets upset when we mistreat each other. Believers in Jesus Christ, those are the most painful, right? You go to a church and they, they get, people hurt you with their words. I, I don't know if I have hurt somebody with my words. And we mistreat each other, we gossip about one another, we bicker and we fight. And the Bible talks about, Paul wrote about people biting and devouring each other. It's like dogs, you know, going at each other. And these are people who are believers in God. These are Christians, and why would they do this? This is so upsetting to God. 
And I could imagine that God gets so upset over brothers and sisters like us fighting each other. It's so hard for us. Like, oh, no, we're not fighting. We're a perfect community. You know, the more we get to know each other, the more we spend time with each other, we judge one another. We, you know, do things and say things that we don't really, really mean. And we get into that. Believe it or not, in the Bible, we, we read more of God talking about how to love each other like this between Christians. A lot of the verses are really between Christians, between believers, between children of God to love each other. It's not just us loving people who don't know God, right? It's just between us. A lot of commands are about us within the family. And God, I would imagine God getting upset over that. And the third thing is I think God would get upset over us mistreating ourselves. I don't know about you, but I grew up in a, in a world where selflessness is really the thing that you strive for, which is good. But I think to a point where like, I don't care about myself anymore, right? To a point where it's like, wow, I, I just do whatever it takes. As long as it's good for other people, I could just be exhausted about to keel over and die. And that's okay, right? If you die out of ex exhaustion, that's an awesome thing from serving other people. To not really care about yourselves anymore. But I would imagine that God who loves us so much, who loves me so much, to see me strive so hard to love other people and not care about myself, I would imagine that's a painful thing. At first it seems like it's an honorable thing, but I think that we need to just step back and say, whoa, 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 what's up here, right? If we see it from those three perspectives, I think it'll, it'll be different. You know what the scripture says in 1 John 4.20 says, Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or a sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. So this is a weird um, dynamic of how this happens. Let me draw a diagram. I love diagrams. I went to art school just to draw a diagram. No, not really. <laughs> went to art school to draw something else, but this is all I do nowadays. So this is God. And so that verse is talking about this is you and this is me. And so in this connection that we, we've seen this, that God, you, me, are connected. So you, you are in your relationship with God and you are with God like this and you connect with God that way. And you and me, we connect with each other like this and we love each other this way. And I love God this way and that's fine right and i taught this before that if if we want to grow uh, grow closer together so this is if this is carol my wife and this is me if we grow closer together only the only way is we get closer to god right in this triangle if 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 i move closer to god and she doesn't we get farther and farther apart does that make sense so in this triangle now let's stretch stretch this a little bit more in this verse it says that let me read that again first john 420. 1 John 4.20 says, Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. And whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. So this is what that picture looks like. If I were to say that I love God, we come here, we're believers in, in Christ. Yeah, I love God. We sang the song. And I stand in awe of you, Jesus, I am so in love with you. What does that mean, right? First of all, I am so in love with you. So God, who I can't see, I can't smell, I can't touch, 
How do you love something you can't see, you can't smell, you can't touch, you can't hear, except for some weird people like, oh, I hear God teach, oh, I don't know if it's really you, right? Or God spoke to me in a dream. Is it a dream that God gave you, or is it pizza that you ate that caused you to see, to hear that? But you don't know, right? And so how do we love God? The Bible says that, okay, you say that you love God, and that's great, that's awesome, you know, and then, but if you don't love each other, you're really lying. So this connection here is not really here if you don't have this connection. Is that what he's saying? Right? And so how do we really love God? So I could say, you know, I love God. I have a personal time with God. I, you know, God and I, we're just great. Uh, it's, we're all good. I pray with God, to God all day long. I spend five hours on my knees this morning. And at night before I go to sleep, I do another 30 minutes. And, and those are all good things. I'm not putting that down. But that's all great. But if you don't have this connection, you're missing something. If you don't have this connection, he's saying, you're lying right here. This is not true. You could spend five hours loving God in prayer. But if you don't have this connection, this is not true. So what this means is that this connection validates this connection. And so it's not between you and me. Check this out. So if, it's, if I want to love God, what he's saying is that my connection is like this. He's saying that if you love God, you love the person next to you, your brother and your sister. That's how you love God. And it's in the other way around as well. If I go this way, and this is how I love God. Isn't that weird? So it starts this way, and God's love for me is always the same. Does that make sense? I know it's, the drawing is a little confusing here. But what that is saying is that when I love God, I love God through you. When you love God, you love God through me. Yes, we say, yeah, and I stand in awe of you, and let my words be few. Jesus, I am so in love with you. But if I don't love my brothers and sisters, I'm really not loving God. Does that make sense? I know, I know this is not new. But if we take this picture in light of that picture, and if we move on into the three things that God has taught us. And so the Bible says that one day Jesus uh, was sitting there teaching, and then somebody came and asked Jesus, what is the greatest command? You see this book? This is full of commands. Like for some people, see, there's a lot of do's and don'ts in here. So somebody says, just give us the essence, the, the, the cliff note of this thing right here. Can you just give us the shortcut of like, if, if I were to not read the Bible, can you just kind of describe it all? Give me two or give me one most important commands that comes in here. In the Jewish cultures, there's over 600 commands in here. You can't do this, you can't do that, you can do this, you can do that. When you see a dead body, what do you do with it? When you see a dead animal, what do you do with it? What happens when a, when a kid cusses out his parents? And what happens when you know, somebody is doing something weird and somebody punches a, a pregnant woman? How do you handle that? Right? So they got laws for everything. And then somebody says, okay, how, can you give us the most important law of all of them? And Jesus says, I'll tell you, what's the most important law? I, and Jesus said... Um, I have the right, uh, no, uh, he says the most important law is love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. This is the first and greatest command. And he says, I'll give you a bonus. The second one is just like it. Love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. 
So he breaks it down to the three. Not only loving God, he says, love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. We'll get to that in a bit. So let me step back for a second. What is love? Can somebody tell me a definition, your definition of what love is? Anybody? Come on, there's no right and wrong, it's just us. You could pull out your phone and Google it if you want to. No. But, you know, in general, what, do you say, what would you say is love? How would you describe it? Love, forgive. Forgive, okay. When you forgive somebody, you're loving. Okay, what else? A choice, okay, a choice that you make, kind of like, you know, between pizza and burgers. <laughs> right, what else? Well, you know, what's weird is that I love my wife and I love tacos. Isn't that odd? How do you love your wife and you love tacos at the same time, right? <laughs> so, what is love? Any other definition? I won't make fun of you, okay? <laughs> I know you're afraid of that. <laughs> What's some other definitions? Is it a feely good thing? Is it something you feel? Something you do? It's a choice that you make? A commitment, right? What else? Love. Obey. It's a verb? Yeah, it's something you do, right? It's not something you feel. Maybe feeling is a doing, but I don't know. But it's something that you do. It's something that you act on. What else? Sacrificial, something you give up, something you, you give up that's important to you, you give up for the other person. I love my wife, I sacrifice certain things for her, you know. Um, I love tacos. Sacrifice, <laughs> sacrifice of money, <laughs> right? I don't know. <laughs> Yan habits. <laughs> okay, so um, this is something that has been brewing in my mind for a while about love, what love is, because it's, it's so hard. When you have kids, how do you teach your kids? Love your brother. It's like, uh, I don't know what that means. I don't feel it right now. I feel like punching him. Is that love, right? Is it punching my brother loving, right? For boys, hey, that's a good thing. That's a, it's an act of love. But how do you really love somebody? So this is something that's been brewing in my heart. I've been trying to come up with this definition. And the best thing I could think of is seeking the highest good for the person. Seeking the highest good in others. And so now, let's, let's play that scenario out real quick. If you see someone doing something bad, how do you seek the highest good for them? So for example, if I were to see um, a friend that is going to a place that they shouldn't be going, what, what is my response to seeking the highest good for that person? If we redefine the word love into seeking the highest good, how would that work out? If I see a friend walks into a place that they shouldn't be walking into, Say something. Yeah, go block them. Go pull them out. Hey, like, hey, why are you going in there? They're like, oh, I thought it was a men's room, right? It's like it's something else, and you never know. And, and then what if you see somebody do some, doing something that they shouldn't be doing to themselves? What is the best thing that you could do? So how do we apply the seeking the highest good in those areas? So I want to take us back to the three things, loving God, loving others, and loving ourselves. And if we apply the seeking the highest good for others and seeking the highest good in that scenario, in those scenarios, how does that play out? How does it work, right? Um, and then, uh, so I came up with that with that phrase from 1 Corinthians ten twenty three. Uh, Paul says, "I have the uh, I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one." should seek their own good, but the good of others. I bet that, that kind of verse is the kind of verse that says, 
ah, don't worry about yourself, just take care of other people, right? Does it sound like that? But believe it or not, it's not about that. It's not about just forget about yourselves. It says to think about other people too. Um, our branch at this past um, Halloween, I sat down and we had some, some really good talks about what Halloween is all about. Should Christians dress up as you know, witches and warlocks and zombies and everything and go out trick-or-treating? Is that a wrong thing for Christians to do? What does the Bible say, right? And so we talked about that. And really it comes down to this verse that some, uh, everything is permissible. We can do anything we want, but not everything is beneficial for us. And not everything is constructive. Constructive is what is beneficial to other people. Does that make sense? And so we come back to that verse that, yeah, we ought to seek the highest good for other people. That's what God wants us to do. So no one should seek their own good, but the good of others. You know, in context, this verse is talking about food, about meat in, in particular. In that time frame, when Paul was writing to these people, he's talking about meat sold at the market. Now, for us today, we go to the market like, oh, yeah, that's good meat that's on sale. We buy it. No big deal. In those days, they got meat um, in the meat market or in the market. They got a whole sta- a bunch of stands with meat that's being sold. And the problem with that is the meat that's been sold have been offered to idols ahead of time. And so the guy who's selling the gigantic piece of cow meat right there, he takes that meat and he offers it to the idol, to whatever idol that he's worshiping. He offers it up and he gets his blessing from the idol and then he brings it down to sell. And so these new Christians are like, you know, no big deal. Come on, it's just meat. It's on sale. You know, so we buy uh, five pounds of that meat. They come bring it home and they cook it and eat it. Now, other Christians who have seen this and heard of this, they say, wait, 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 you shouldn't be eating that. You don't know what happened to that meat. They offer that to idols. You shouldn't be eating meat that's offered to idols. So there's this huge conflict over the, a split in the church over the kind of meat that they eat. Can you imagine? That's the kind of fighting that we have in our world today, isn't it? The basic things such as food. Why do we fight over food? It's not about food. It's about being legalistic, being judgmental, right? You judge, oh yeah, you're not as holy because you're eating meat offered to idols. Not only that, it's not only, you're not as, you're not as holy, it's just that you shouldn't be eating that. That's sinning. You're sinning. And then the other group of people are like, look, I have the freedom in Jesus Christ to do whatever I want. And so Paul says, yes, you are right. But if you eating your, your meat, causing other people, people to stumble and fail and fall, just don't eat. What's the big deal? Eat it when they're not around. Or when someone offers you meat. So it's even worse. And, and I can relate to this. Even worse is when, if I were, come, were to come over and said, hey, check out this steak. Santa Maria. I came up with my own marinade and everything. I baked it and I cooked it and I you know, grilled it just for you. And you say, hey, did you get that meat from the market? Yeah. Oh, no, thanks. I can't eat that. That's from the market. How messed up is that? Asking for the source of the meat. I ran into this with my mom. My mom is Buddhist. And so uh, she offers stuff to her idol. And uh, I'd come over and, you know, I'll eat. But somehow, you know, in the very beginning, she'll she'll say, hey, do you want to eat this pear? I'm like, okay, pear, I'll eat it. And then she's, I'm like, I learned later on, like, oh, that pear came from that altar right there. 
But I didn't say anything. But after a while, she actually realized that, oh, I shouldn't be doing that. So now she doesn't even offer. So there are some things in the house. I'll go in there like, oh, wow, an orange. She's like, oh, no, don't eat that. I'm like, well, what's wrong with that? She says, that's been offered to the idol. And you know what? I learned to not eat it. Because I know, even though in my heart I know, ah, idol schmidles, I could still eat this orange, right? Who cares? But it would st- make my mom stumble if I were to eat it. She's like, what? You're a Christian. You're not supposed to eat this. This is offered to Buddha and all that stuff, right? And so it's a whole different ballgame when you think about it in that way. And so, but this verse is not to say that you forget about yourself. You just like destroy yourselves and just to help other people, okay? So it's, it's just the clarity on the context of that verse. And so last month, we learned about one question that's supposed to help us make wiser decision. In light of my past experience, my present circumstance, and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing for me to do? We spent five weeks learning about that. What is the wise thing for me to do? So like when I am standing there at a car dealer, in light of my past experience, my current circumstance, and my future hopes and dreams, what, should, what kind of car should I go for, a Lexus or a smart car? Lexus, a smart car, right? If you look at that, my past experience may say, oh, you know, I want to impress my friends, so I'm going to go with a Lexus. My future, uh, my current circumstance, with about $2,000 in income and half of that goes to rent and everything else, I only have $200 left, smart car is a smarter way to go, right? Right, and my future hopes and dreams, if I ever want to retire, I'm almost midlife crisis, it's coming up soon. I don't have much time left to save for retirement. If I want to save for retirement, a smart car is probably a smart thing to do instead of a Lexus. Does that make sense? And so we learned that for a whole past the whole month. This month, I want to teach you one question that will help us in the area of love. And that is, what does love require of me? Whatever, when you don't know what to do, ask what love, what, what does love require of you? And so when we play it out in the three areas, that we're talking about here. What does love require? The first part is with God. When it comes to God, with your relationship with God, so right here with you and God, what does love require of you to make this connection closer? What does love require of you to make this connection stronger? Right? For some of you, maybe you have been like me. We've been serving so long. I've been a Christian for 30-something years. There are times when I ran, I was about to pass out and die because I was so tired from serving. I've been there. There are times when I was just driving and I don't know what I was doing, but I was picking up people to go to Bible study and I was so tired, lacking sleep. But it was the holy thing for me to do. Maybe for people who, some of you who are that exhausted in serving God, time to take a break. You don't earn God's love by serving God so much. God loves you exactly the way you are. Whether you love Him, whether you serve Him, whether you do all that stuff for Him, God loves you exactly the same. That's why the Bible, God says that, be still and know that I'm God. Just That means, take a breath, breathe, chill out. But for some of you, maybe you've been chilling too much, right? You need to just get back, or pull your Bible out of the shelf, start reading, my goodness. When was the last time you opened that thing? You don't know, right? So I can't just say one thing or the other. It's you between you and God. Maybe you haven't read a Bible. Maybe you haven't prayed to God like praying. What is that? You know, the last time I did that when I was a kid. Well, you know, maybe stop t- praying to God and start talking to God instead. It's a very different thing, talking to God and praying to God. And for some of us, we got so used to praying, we don't even know how to talk to God. We recite our prayers. 
Let's move on beyond that, right? How, what does love require of you when it comes to your relationship with God? The second thing is, what does love require of you when it comes to relationship to your neighbors? He said to love your neighbors as yourself. Who are your neighbors? Anybody? Give me a neighbor. Someone next to you? What's that? State What? <laughs> State Farm. <laughs> like a neighbor. <laughs> oh, man, the jingle. <laughs> All right, what are the, who are the neighbors? Give me some names in your life. A neighbor, literally a neighbor, right? I have two neighbors, like Emilio on one side and Hector on the other side. That's about all I know. Maybe some of the people in the front. But think about this. What if our neighbors are done? Let me draw circles. Maybe this will help. And so this is you and your closest neighbor. Who are the people that you see every day of the week? Coworker? Okay, how, every day, all day, all night, almost. Family, right? So if, if your spouse, we've never thought of a spouse being a neighbor, right? But they are. And so the closest person to you would be your spouse. The next circle would be your children, if you have any. Okay, what else on top of that? Work, co-worker, yeah? But the Bible makes it clear like this. They're Christian friends um, or brothers and sisters. Grandparents. Grandparents. Oh, yeah, maybe a relative in this circle right here. So the grandparents, like, it'll squeeze you in the middle over here. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Limitation on space. Christian friends, and then <laughs> unbelieving friends. Right? Oh, fiance. Yeah, there you go. But you see the circle? A lot of times when we think of neighbors, because we take the story of this Good Samaritan and all that stuff, complete strangers who are like sleeping on the street. They're like, okay, uh, you know, my kids are in need, but who cares? I see, a, I, I see a, a homeless guy sitting over there. Let me go help them. Does that really work that way? No. You get these in place first, right? And so how do you, what does love require of you between you and your spouse, those of you who are married or slash going to be married soon? What does love require of you between you and your spouse? In what situation? Love requires you to seek the highest good for them. I tell you, this is, there are times when this gets really awkward to seek the highest good for your spouse, seek the highest good for your kids. To say no to kids, it's nearly impossible to say no, right? Because you love them so much, you want to spoil them. Spoil them means give them everything they want, right? What does loving your spouse look like? What does loving your kids look like? What does loving your co-workers look like? It has to be in that order. Seeking the highest good in your family life. Maybe it means changing your work schedule if you work so much. Maybe cut down on work. Maybe you need to get to work if you're not working, right? <laughs> Find a job. I don't know where you are. Um, and or um, sometimes with family, take the remote and turn off the TV. Oh, snap, right? That's a big deal. How do you? But, you know, we let TV, we let Internet, we let devices, our phone, 
maybe it's time to just put our phone in silent or turn it off completely when we're eating together, when we are together. It's so hard, let me tell you, it's so hard with kids who are just stuck on the device. It's like there's a magnetic glue that's just stick to your other, and you know, they get so cranky when you tear that off. It's like they go in withdrawals. You know how you, you take drugs out of like drug addicts? It's like that with kids. You know, they're staring at it, you take it away, and they're super grouchy. And it's like, okay, maybe we should give it back because they're a lot more pleasant when they're staring at that thing, right? But then it doesn't, it breaks that connection between us and our family and our kids. And you know, and brothers and sisters in Christ, you know what breaks the, the connection? Unforgiveness and bitterness. It's okay to say no to other Christians. It's okay to not be at everything. It's okay that they know that you're messed up because we're all messed up. No big deal. I'm more messed up than anybody probably. But that's okay, right? Devices, oh, I think for me, my family, that's like the enemy. It's so hard. This is, this is the sickness. Almost every one of my kids has an iPad and an iPhone. Yikes! The phone's not working, but hey, they have it, so it's more mobile, so they can actually carry it into the bathroom with them when they're using it. It's possible, right? If we don't limit that, that will, that's what's going to happen. When we get in the car, as soon as they buckle up, guess what they pull out? Their iPad, their iPhone. And you know why? Because we do the same thing. Before they sleep, they check it. Before when they get up, they check it. Why? Why? Are they really that important? My goodness. I remember when we had a phone, you know, one of those things with the cables. I remember watching a show and somebody pulled up the phone and they held it like this. And my kid goes, what's that? Uh, that's a phone. What, what's that coily thing that's connected to it? They've never seen a phone with cables because nowadays it's so mobile. You carry it around. And I remember thinking, why would anybody want to carry that phone around? I don't want to be that available, but look, what, look, check this out. In my pocket while I'm preaching right now, there's a phone in my pocket for a different purpose. Do I really need to be that accessible? No, I don't. It's a funny thing. I read about the uh, top 30... Um, top 30 most successful CEO in America. One of the things they don't do is check their emails all the time. That blew me away. You would think that they're like on it. Oh my gosh, I got to return. No, they only check it in the morning, in midday, and in the evening. That's it. They said, if anything more important, they'll call. That makes sense. Wow, why didn't I think of that, right? Within that time frame. But you see, we, we learn, we don't, if we're not careful, all that stuff is going to creep in, separate us, and disconnect us so much that we don't have this connection. And then we come and say, holy, oh God, I love you so much. No, you don't. You're staring at the screen between your brothers and sisters. You don't even talk. You're not loving God. Don't lie. Right? That's the truth of it. And you know, I am as guilty as anybody. I work in technology. I stare at computer screens all day, and when I get off, I stare at computer screens even more. It doesn't even make sense, but I do it. So I need to learn to just, I get home, put it away, don't check it. If it's important, they'll call me. And I'll hear the phone ring. We got to make time for that kind of stuff. Put down the cell phone, put down your iPad, your iPod, iDevice, whatever, Samsung Galaxy, whatever, put it all away. There are times for that. And the last one, love yourself. 
How many of you got enough sleep last night? See your hands. Wow, that's pretty cool. Did you know that the CDC considers uh, sleep deprivation when you don't get seven hours of sleep two days in a row? That's a big deal. Most of us don't get that many hours of sleep per day. Why is that? And the sad thing is we, go to, we get up in the morning and we say to ourselves, oh, I didn't get enough sleep last night. And then throughout the day you go all crazy. Before you sleep, what do you say? Oh, I didn't do that many things today. I'm so unproductive. I didn't get to do everything I wanted to do. So it's like you start off negative, you go throughout the day trying to be positive, and you get to the end of the day, you're still negative. Because that's just how life is if we don't learn to balance it. And just one of the things that we don't love ourselves is in the way we take care of ourselves. But we have been conditioned so much to think about other people. Oh, your needs. Oh, yeah, yeah, let me drop everything. But get my kids, you know, they're dying and stuff. It's okay, let me help you first because it's better, right? Forget about my family. Oh, my wife and I are fighting. Let me go help your marriage. Wait a minute. That doesn't sound right. But that's what we do. And God says, wait, let's just step back. Take care of yourself. Eat right. Get some exercise. Get enough sleep. Take a nap. Sometimes we all just take a nap. I, I wish we could just take a group nap. That would be awesome. You know, because we're so grouchy. My kid says, but that's so grouchy. He needs a nap. I'm like, oh, yeah, send me to nap, please. Put me in time out. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we all need to just take care of ourselves and what we eat. But if we look at ourselves within a certain time frame, if I were to step back and look at all the things you do from morning till night, the kind of food that you eat, the activities that you do, the things that we do to ourselves, the things that you look at, the things that bring into your brain, the inactivities or the, the food that you just stuff into your body, would you say that you love yourself with all those things? I often think about that about myself. Man, that fried chicken, why would I do that to myself? But it tastes so good. Yeah. <laughs> Pay for it later. Right? And why would I go up to sleep super late and get up super early? So I can impress somebody? so I can look good in front of some people. It's not even about myself anymore, right? But God wants us to take care of ourselves. And you know what? Here's the profound thing. You cannot love others more than you love yourself. If you don't love yourself, how does that even work? And how does that even work with God? You don't love yourself, you can't love other people, therefore you cannot love God. It's all connected. So this whole month, we're going to take a look at that. Imagine what God sees when he looks at us. So, on the converse of what I said in the beginning, do you know what I love? I love it when you love my kids. I love it when anybody loves my kids. I told you this before, that when I, when I go home, my baby, two years old, I carry him and I hold him because I haven't seen him in a little while, and I kiss him. You know what I smell? Perfume. Your perfume. I smell your scent. I smell colognes on him because you held him, you took care of him, you loved him. I love it when people love my kids. I love it when the teachers in, in my kids' school talk so highly about my kids, that he's so helpful, he's so this and that, and she let him do all sorts of stuff. And Wow, it touches me in a, such a different way that someone loves me, loves me through loving my kids. 
But if people who mistreat my kid, it doesn't matter, right? If you can love me. It doesn't matter if you mistreat my kids. You can worship my holy name. I don't really care because you do mistreat my kids, right? You could buy me gifts. It doesn't matter because if you mistreat my kids, it's over. But if you do stuff for my kids, that really touches me in a different way. You know what else is cool? I love it when my kids love each other. There are times they sit in the backseat while I'm driving and they're laughing. I look over there like, why are they laughing? They're making fart sounds or whatever because the three boys in the back seat. What do you expect? Right? They're, they're just like loving each other that way. And I was like, oh, that is just wonderful, the sound of laughter. And 30 seconds later, someone's crying. So there we go. Ruin that whole thing. It doesn't last very long. And I love it when my kids take care of themselves. You know, I took my son to work with me, and we stood there in front of a vending machine. And um, he had a dollar. I had a dollar. I wanted to see what he picks. Is he going to pick the flaming Hot Chips, all the Doritos and Burritos and whatever, the, all the bad things that's over there? Or is he, what is he going to pick? What does he choose? He goes for trail mix. Like, yeah, that's awesome. And then we stand in front of another vending machine. We got water, we got soda, and you know, all the different sodas. And then he stands there and he puts in his money and he chose soda. It's like, ah. Oh. Why did you choose soda? Man, you almost got it. <laughs> Darn. I was like, water, water, water. Trying to suggest, you know, water is healthier for us. And he goes for soda, <laughs> my kids, you know. Um, but, you know, there, most of the time he chooses water. Only certain periods of time that he would do, go for soda. And I was like, ah, I wish he doesn't. But I love it when my kids take care of themselves. They get up in the morning, brush their teeth, comb their own hair. It looks as raggedy as goofy. It's okay, I love it that they put on their own clothes and brush their own hair and brush their own teeth. And I have to believe that our Heavenly Father loves it when we do that for ourselves. Like, you know, I, I'm going to take some time, time off to just relax, nap, do nothing, chill, kick my feet up and do nothing all day long, enjoy things. I have to believe that my Heavenly Father looks around and see how we love each other and He says, man, that, that's awesome. I love that. I love that laughter. I love that time you crying together and holding each other and saying sorry to one another and forgiving each other. All the one another's in the Bible.